FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 332 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. I'm your host, Jason, and I'm joined once again by half of the Scalabros, Georgie, and together we are the Undanny X-Men. Oh, perfect. <laughs> we hope we survive the experience. <laughs> oh, with these books, who knows? With I'm not sure. Books. Yeah, Dan definitely didn't. Ex- <laughs> I don't know. I mean, does Rosenberg have the power to kill us? I don't know. <laughs> We're not officially on the team, so I guess not. True, true, true. Um, well, I was telling Georgie, um, you know, I was like, I was excited just to record with these guys again, and um, you know, I was in a pretty good mood, and then my computer decided to to go into a shit storm. So, um, any. Any proclivity I had to being generous to these books is gone, so I'm going to let everybody know up front. I may be a little nasty <laughs> as we talk about some of these, and because um, yeah, I don't know, we'll just we'll see. But um, like like Miss Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, or like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just the the tech technological. Uh, mishaps having a bad mood. I wasn't really in a great. I mean. I'm always in a good mood to talk to Georgie, but these books weren't necessarily super high on my list as it was, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But of course, um, we missed Dan. Dan had a, a family obligation that, that came up, and so while I thought that we were his family, I, you know, I understand. <laughs> no. Anyway, um, so. Oh man, my mic was was uh, muted. Sorry about that. Oh, oh, that's okay. I was trying to say that that much like Wolverine, uh, Dan had to mourn on his own the death of the X Men. <laughs> yes, we'll mourn our way. He'll mourn his. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Well, before we jump into the books, um, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit last time. Um, uh, the kind of the confirmation of Hickman doing his X thing. Um, but since then, since we talked last, uh, he did a fairly extensive interview kind of about just the whole thing. And I just kind of wanted to get your general thoughts on when that made you feel better about the whole situation, worse or the same or whatever. I think, I think Dan was super excited that, that this is all coming to an end. Yes. Uh, maybe the most excited out of the three of us. <laughs> uh, you know, it's I, I'm like really conflicted in a number of ways, and, and not like I'm sad to see Uncanny get like a new team, uh, uh, like a creative team, but just like what was the whole point of everything? I, I just don't understand. Like um, Rosenberg was supposed to continue his his stories, but he hasn't really done that with like his new mutants story or it's astonishing or his multiple man like stuff happened off panel and, and now 
the new mutants are just like, yeah, we're done being X-Men suddenly. <laughs> Multiple man is like, yeah, whatever, I'm good now. And Alex is just like, I don't know, Was is there any thread continuing from Astonishing? It's just like he was rescued and that's been it. Uh, yeah. He's not even written the same, uh, which is weird. He's written, I guess, more like the Alex we used to have in this Uncanny book compared to Astonishing, but... It's almost like a whole other voice for for Alex now. It's just it's just been a weird, it's been a weird. What is this? Eighteen issues, um, and I'm I'm quite happy that that Hickman is just like yeah, um, I'm throwing all this out and we're gonna fix this all. And he's mentioned, sorry if this is rambling, but he's mentioned that he feels like all these short term reboots and and creative changes are aren't good to keep readers in for a long time. So. He he mentioned in his, his interview that this is supposed to, you know, last for a number of years, which is good to hear. Now maybe yes. maybe we won't like the direction, but at least you'll know there's some continuity and, and purpose to the story that's being told, and not just well, we're gonna have this guy on for like five issues, and then <laughs> another guy on, and then oh, we're gonna reboot again. So yeah, I'm I'm happy overall, but it's just more confused about what 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 the hell's going on. Yeah, you know, I, I'm i really curious, because obviously at this point, we're completely in lame duck territory um, with with the ending of Uncanny and whatever else was going on with these series, um, every, with everything kind of coming to a close. Um, I'm just curious, though, like, when Rosenberg pitched his story, got assigned the book, whatever, was it the intent the whole time that he would have a lame duck story or was he told, yeah, let's do this. And then a couple of months in, that's when they pulled the plug and said, Oh, we, we finally got Hickman to say yes. So, uh, you know, do what you got to do, but it doesn't matter. Like, I'm just curious if he knew the whole time this story was going to be inconsequential or if he kind of had the rug for better or for worse, whether he liked what he was doing or not, you know, whether he had the rug kind of pulled out from under him, you know, at a certain point in this, in the for sure timeline. So he barely has even had time to do it on his own. The first, what was it like? Ten issues were all about setting up Age of X Men, right? And then he started to write his stuff, and then it was like, uh oh, maybe Hickman's coming. And then, you know, less than ten issues of just him writing, it's like, sorry, but uh, this doesn't matter anymore. It's really right. odd. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's frustrating, and, and you know we've been from the whole gamut of Hickman's. I'm sorry, of uh, Rosenberg's X input. We've been fairly up and down, right? From from some positive stuff early on to to not as much lately. Um, but however you feel about his output, it it does seem you can't help but feel a little bit bad that like <laughs> I mean here he is trying to wrap up a story that that really is going to almost immediately be brushed under the rug. And, no, no, I mean, that's got to kind of get, it's kind of, kind of mess you their head a little bit when you're trying to finish out your, your last couple issues. Definitely. And just from a professional standpoint, uh, I've had, you know, everyone works at a, not everyone, but a lot of people work at a company and companies aren't always great to their employees. So I, I, I feel bad for him in the sense if, if they were like, look, you get to tell your story, and if it sells, you get to keep going. If I have no idea what you know what their contract is, 
or what right. the stipulations are. But if they told them, hey, yeah, if it work, if it if it goes well, then you'll you know we'll keep you on for as long as you want to be on, and then it is selling well. We it know that. Selling, uh, yeah, yeah. And so if they're like, well, sorry, actually, you know, we we don't want you anymore. We've got Hickman. That's that's just as a professional way of running a business. Not that's not. I hope that's not how things went. Yeah, I hope not either. I mean, you know, as much as as our podcast may have <laughs> may have um, tried to, to to dissuade people from from buying these, it was selling really well, and um, you know, so it does kind of suck if that was his incentive, and then he met it, and still because the bigger fish came along, yeah. But just imagine if your boss was like, yeah, meet these sales numbers for the next quarter. And you met him. He's like, good job. You're fired. You'd be like, right. what? <laughs> right. <laughs> be pretty lousy. So, so, you know, I'm excited about the change, but, but a part of me does feel a little bit bad about the situation. Um, but one thing I thought was interesting, because he didn't say any names and by all appearances on social media, seems to be fairly friendly with most of the other creatives, but when Hickman in his interview did kind of take a stab at uh, nostalgia in the X-Books um, and kind of how everything's been just kind of rehash mm-hmm, uh, the mm-hmm. last couple of years. So, you know, who knows what direction he'll go and whether we'll all end up falling in love with it or how much people will like it or not like it or whatever. But I am excited is at least it sounds like he's going to try to not do that anymore <laughs> to try to try to kind of move the, the story forward um, and come up with some new ideas. So, you know, hopefully they'll all work, but I'm at least excited about the attempt. Sure. Yeah. But anyway, so with that, <laughs> I guess we'll move on. You know, it's uh very appropriate this cover to uncanny 17 um because basically we have wolverine and cyclops standing over the open grave of uncanny x-men um ready to jump in yeah waiting (laughs) ready to jump in and start piling the dirt on and and see what happens um (laughs) so we're going to start with a couple of issues of, of uncanny um the first one is they're both written by matthew rosenberg 17 has art by Carlos Gomez, and 18 has art by Carlos Villa, so different Carloses. Um, then the inkers on 17. Oh, well, I guess Gomez does his own inks on 17. On 18, you have Juan Velasco and Craig Young do the inks. Guru Effects does the colors on both, and VC's Joe Caramania does the letters for both. And then Walsh Portacio with Eric Arcianiega does both covers. And like I said, the cover to 17 is actually not a terrible cover. It's unfortunately timely in its symbolism for the book. But it is uh, it's Cyclops and Wolverine standing back to back over a, an open grave with a casket. Everything's really, really dark. Um, lots of shadow. Almost was like a Joshua tree shadow on the coffin um what do you think what do you think of this cover georgie yeah it's i mean none of these covers have blown me away they all have uh, a very dark tone to them right um i'll I'll say this about the cover at least this one acknowledges that cyclops only has one eye (laughs) because 
the insides of both these books don't acknowledge it at all. <laughs> I mean, it was fine. I wasn't like blown away by this. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. Um, number nineteen is an interesting cover. We have like a dark room with a spotlight and a really, really big oversized chair. And in this chair, we have Emma Frost, the new Black King, and so is Mystique's kind of suit, or is she the White? queen now or is this just kind of a, a new play on her costume with a blue and white i assume she's supposed to be the white queen now okay uh, that would make sense yeah not a bad story beat so i they just, i don't remember them explicitly saying it though so i wasn't sure mm. but okay well i kind of like that cover better the second one uh I to 18 too. yeah 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 it's not bad um still interesting I don't know. I think I think the colors on either cover could have made could have done a little harder to make these better. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so number seventeen. Remember the end of sixteen. Uh, Wolf's Bane died off panel, and and uh, Moonstar had a, a seizure, and now we're dealing with the aftermath, and we're getting ready for a funeral. And Cyclops is like, hey, we need to get ready. And Wolverine's like, I'm not going. You see, you're in a suit. I'm in a wife beater. That should tee you off. Um, and so they have a drinks at the bar. That's where Wolverine says, you mourn your way. I'll mourn mine. Um, Cyclops actually has a really good point here where he says, you know, you're part of the family, Logan. Show up for them. Um, multiple man brings him some information that he got from the police. Uh, Wolverine changes into a suit that he pulled off a dead guy um <laughs> which couldn't have been himself so we don't actually <laughs> yeah i was wondering <laughs> if it was any number of himself things. or someone else yeah <laughs> it uh, really his, well yeah right <laughs> his floor is littered with beer cans and uh take out chinese containers um and so basically uh multiple man brought him the police report from Lon's murder, um, he makes a joke about, well, that's kind of what I do. And Wolverine says, that's my line. Um, then he goes to get Quanin. Um, he, he sees Spider-Leg's Dark Beast, who makes a really terrible joke about how he could have killed Wolfsbane himself. Uh, we get a nice half-snicked as he's about to stab Dark Beast in the head. When he says, I'll be quiet now. And then we see multiple, multiple, man, multiples man as uh, Wolverine goes to get Quanin out of X jail. Um, I did kind of like her new design. What do you think of her, her kind of old school or like 90s Psylocke, but the skin covered up with purple and then kind of a, a hooded mask? What do you think of that? It's that definitely look? more like proper ninja instead of like, yeah, showing off my TNA ninja. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so then Alex shows up and is awkward. Um, Wolverine steals the keys to his very, very fancy sports car, um, which I'm not sure. It's really hard to tell what the uh, the financial situation of the X-Men is. But because um, they're, they're hiding Harry's hideaway, but then they have enough to like do tech and fancy jail. And then this is like a, I don't know, a couple hundred grand sports car probably that Alex is driving around. He just has it. Yeah, he just has it with his little Spider-Man keychain. Um, so then we go to the cemetery where Cyclops, you know, starts doing his eulogy. Um, 
And then Karma comes up and basically reads a list of, like, everybody that's dead or not dead. Um, we get a snicked as uh, Lock, Locksmith snicked as uh, Wolverine uses his claw. Now, I don't know. I've seen this before, so I'm not going to rant too much. But I don't, I don't know if his claw really works that way. You think he would just, like, slice the door open or or cut away, like, the lock. But... He actually uses his claw to pop the lock. They go in this, like, frat house, and there's these dude bros playing video games. Here's where things take a little bit of a turn, where Quanin uses her her shiznik powers um, to make Wolverine cry, but to also see, like, pretty much Rain's last moments. Mm -hmm. Um, And this gets... Fairly problematic, but basically what happens is Rain is minding her own business on a park bench. Um, these dude bros come along. They've been drinking, um, and they kind of hit on her, and she's polite but not reciprocating at all. Um, they get kind of aggressive. She maybe, like, partially wolfs out, maybe has a fang or something, where she gets kind of mad, and then she gets apologetic for for losing her temper, and then um, there's some very kind of inherent language that, that happens in the story where the guys get pretty mad that, that they thought she was a normal girl, and she kind of tricked them or trapped them by sitting there. Um, and then she kind of turns into a wolf for a second, gets a little scratch in, get scared and, and turns back to normal and then they kill her um of course wolverine after experiencing this kind of psycho emotionally um pulls out a duffel bag of like weapons and he's like all right pick them up fight back i'm gonna kill you guys <laughs> and he pops his claws and then uh the one shows up guns and blazing um they start shooting up the room as Wolverine dives across the table. Then we go back to after the funeral, where Cyclops is at the bar having a drink with magic and an old prairie dress uh, for a little house on the prairie. Um, Wolverine comes in. He doesn't see him. Cyclops just kind of grabs him, and then he's like, oh, whoa, what happened to you? Because his, his nice suit is full of bullet holes. And he says, I mourn my way. And... Then they have an argument that basically rehashes Schism. And then um, Cyclops' good eye has kind of a little little premature laser as he kind of burns Wolverine in the face a second. And then Juggernaut gets in the middle um, and says, you guys are fighting each other. We should be fighting the bad guys. It's like Emma Frost. And everyone's like, who? And then to be continued. Is it is it bad that I kind of blacked out during your recap? <laughs> no, no. Um, okay, so I don't even know where to start on this book. Um, it it has faced some pretty heavy criticism, and also oddly, from I guess the expected places, and also from some unexpected places, kind of some heavy defense. Um, it's been a very, it's been a pretty controversial issue, at least on, on social media. Um, I don't know. Where do you want to, where do you want to get into it? 
I mean, there there are some minor things I'll bring up before we get to the the big meat. But you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about maybe it's it's a little too nerdy. But uh, point one, Cyclops's blasts. I feel like they're just like wildly inconsistent here. Sometimes they're wide. Sometimes they're like pin 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 size. Sometimes they're like lasers. Sometimes they're like force blasts, which is what they're right. supposed to be. It's just like. I wish there was a little bit more consistency with oh, what. Oh yeah, yeah. When he when he shoots Wolverine in the face, that's straight up like laser gun. Yes, that's like a, that's like a surgical knife. Yes, which is not what his eyes should be. It yeah, just, I'm are... okay with the scope changing because I. Well, let me let me walk that back. If he was healthy and had both eyes, sure. I like I like him changing like from wide to narrow and. And even like you know, towards the end of a Bendis's run, where he can kind of almost change direction, like mm-hmm. Matrix style. Like I thought that was kind of a cool development of his power. It seems to me that having an eye shot out and losing that eye would make his powers harder to use, not easier. Um, maybe I'm thinking about that the wrong way. But they I- also said he can't use it, or he'll risk like hemorrhaging in his brain. So it's. <laughs> I don't, they're just wildly inconsistent with that. And it's not like a huge deal. It doesn't really affect the story that much, but right. you, you got to wonder, like, are they really paying attention to the story that they're writing and drawing? So, I mean, there's that. The, the other thing, the minor thing I want to bring up is the clothing that the new mutants wear to the funeral seems like really kind of inappropriate in a, in a number of ways. Like Ilyana's wearing this almost... Like Lolita, like young girls supposed to be sexy, kind of, but in black dress, and people are wearing like blue colored, and some some people are appropriately dressed, and some people aren't. And I feel like if this is your friend who died, you're not gonna show up like, hey, I'm wearing my sexy outfit to the funeral. You're gonna dress. I just feel like more dour and more like sad. So I didn't really appreciate. Uh, the outfits very much, and and not only that, I don't feel like what Ilyana is wearing is something she would normally wear at all. It's no. a very different kind of outfit, so that I just, it just felt odd to me. And I know it's a different artist doing this right. issue than previously, but it's just I, it, it didn't rub thing, well. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I liked about Ilyana's outfit was taking her headgear and making little earrings out of it. Sure, I like that. I thought, I thought that was fun. Um, I thought her looking like the madam in an old west saloon was yeah. <laughs> not not really right. Um, all right. So being the podcast that goes snicked, we need to talk about how Wolverine is drawn, right? Well, I think I mean the drawing's fine. He's drawing a stumpy little runt, as Sabretooth would say. I mean. A little Neanderthalish at yes, point. Yes, yes. Um, but depend. I mean, different artists have done that at different times, so that's kind of part and parcel with different interpretations of Wolverine. So it's not my favorite, but it doesn't necessarily. I don't know. I don't really get stuck on it. I'm more concerned about how he's written here. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Um, <laughs> Those. We're so, into the big meat now. Yeah, okay, so so here's what works to me. Wolverine saying, I mourn my own way, while a little bit regressive as far as it feels a whole lot like 
Claremont Byrne and or Claremont Miller. Um, you know, so your your late eighties, mid to late eighties um take on Wolverine where, you know, he goes off and does things on his own to handle situations. I'm okay with that part to an extent. Um, because he, you know, he did come back from the dead, so things are gonna be a little bit different. Here's where I kinda get annoyed. Yeah, I, I know where you're going. When Rosenberg in general is is flushing away all the character progress. Because here and here's here's maybe a subtle change that would have made this swallow a lot better for me. Have him go off half cocked, have him even go and and maybe try to murder these like twenty year olds. Um because they did kill his friend, and they're not going to get justice, so he has to do his justice. That to an, I can carry that to an extent. I do not buy him for a second missing the funeral. I see him as mourning in his own way with violence, whatever, yes. But either he does that and then shows up to the funeral on time after having kicked ass, or he goes to the funeral first. He is there for his family. He is there for you know these kids that that he's you know either helped mentor or or seen grown up or whatever, and then he goes off and does the dirty work no one else wants to do. I'm okay with really either of those. Skipping the funeral altogether to go do this just feels like we're trying to make Wolverine into this grumpy super loner that he's not and then the argument with cyclops i completely that falls apart 100 percent for me um <laughs> i just don't buy that i understand right that all these guys are going to be frustrated at the situation having lost so many friends and i can even see wolverine being very angry and very pissed off and and frustrated. And I can see him lashing out at Cyclops, especially, you know, with the whole blindfold thing and whatnot. I just don't see him taking that out on everybody else around him. Like, I, I can see him maybe focusing his anger on Cyclops and letting him, like, be the kind of whipping boy for how he feels. Um, I don't know. I don't know. What, what, what do you think? about all that well i agree that they rosenberg has just routinely in this series thrown away any sort of character growth that logan earned in the last what like six years especially yeah um so yeah just seeing him like yeah you know screw the rest of my team i'm just gonna go kill these people because in in this book that's all he's really been about is just stabby stabby and then (laughs) ask questions later kind of a thing right Right. So that was it, it. It feels like he has an image of of how Wolverine was maybe when he was younger, and so he's just writing that Wolverine instead of paying attention to all the character growth that's happened since then. Right. I I don't like that. I I I understand Cyclops and him like not having the same stance on how things should go, but like the constant like brutal arguing between them is is getting really old at this point as well. And I, 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 I feel like 
if this Wolverine came back from the dead and it was explicit that, hey, he's lost all of his memory, you know, past 1988 or whatever, then okay, fine, <laughs> we're, we're good with this. But if he retains any of that, then he would put his team ahead of a lot of his own sort of needs. I, I understand him going off and, like, dealing with the grief on his own. I don't know if it means hurting those those guys, but, like, working through some stuff, having a few hard nights of drinking, but then coming right. back to be with his his family for the funeral, but like missing the funeral and then just going off and trying to kill these these frat boys. It reeks a lot to the animated series where Scott and Gene <laughs> like get married. He's like, screw it, I'm just gonna train in the danger room and like wreck my tux. Do you remember that episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had flashbacks of that and I felt like, well, I mean if this was 1994, sure, this works, but this is 2019. We gotta, we gotta move forward here. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I'm with you. Like a hard night of drinking, getting in some fights. You know, I'm kind of say question mark. I maybe yes, maybe no on on going specifically after after the kids, but missing the funeral just seems a bridge too far for me to. And because, you know, and they have made hints that he doesn't, and he hasn't, like, I guess, healed his mind completely since he resurrected and went through Return of Wolverine. Mm-hmm. But, there's, but there's been no statement that he's, like, gone all the way back. And in fact, I think it's pretty obvious that he hasn't, because there are things that he does remember. Um, I just, there's a complete lack of a kind of consistent direction with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's it's frustrating as a Wolverine fan to. I don't know. I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind him popping claws. I don't mind the short fuse. I just I don't want him to go all the way backwards. I'm not. It's not what. No, I'm, exactly. What I'm ready for right now. And I could see him as Cyclops, like being frustrated and that leading to like a fight about right. what they're doing, but it just feels. More like a fight because this this is what these characters do instead of this is how they they feel and so this happened. Yeah, yeah. And Cyclops like, uh, you know, you're a terrible teammate. And Wolverine's like, oh, don't make people choose sides. That didn't work too well for you last time. And then I don't know. Like, I guess the part that really bothered me is where where Cyclops says, "Shut your mouth." This is about the legacy of the X Men. Something you never cared about. Wow, not, yeah. Not a, not a something we maybe disagreed on or something that we were never 100% in line with. But to say he never cared about it, it that, that seems even kind of weird for Cyclops to say. And then for Wolverine to turn around and say, well, you're pretty much right, I don't. Um, <laughs> and just, I don't know. It That's is, not like him at all. Right, that, that bothered me. I mean, he, he led a whole faction of the X-Men because he thought Cyclops was wrong and how the legacy, how, right. how where, where they were going. So right, that was the whole right. schism. Yeah. The, schism, the schism wasn't Wolverine saying, I, I quit and I'm going to make sure everyone else quits. It was, no, right. the X-Men <laughs> should be like this, not like you. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess um, the last topic for this issue is... Um, is the Wolf big Spain's, one. Well, Spain's death... Um, so, okay, I guess, let me, let me start on maybe a part that, 
man, I don't even know. I don't even know. It, it, it bothers me quite a bit. So let's just say from a a character story beat, it doesn't make any sense to me. In fact, <laughs> there's a similar page from, I guess it was a Peter David uh, Madrix miniseries that Wolf Spain was in, where she kind of gets um, mugged for a slightly different reason, but you know, she basically, you know, doesn't fight back because she doesn't want to be violent, but she does like scare them off. Mm-hmm. Like, she uses her power, just turn to a wolf. You don't want to mess with me. Get out of here, and, and they run. Another thing, also, even if she didn't want to fight, even if she didn't want to get, you know, to scare them off or to use her powers, she could definitely. It's almost like, like the only way for her character in this situation to really die in this situation is because she wants to. Yes. Which yes. is very, very, very strange. And and I don't think Rosenberg is t- intending for that to be how it reads. I think it's a little bit... I think he bit off more than he could chew with this whole scene. Because um, I don't... Yeah, I really, I really thought a lot about because a lot of what came up after this issue, and I think appropriately so, like the discussion needs to happen, the conversation needs to be there, was but the uh, the transphobic language that's very inherent in this scene. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know the oh, you know, here's a bunch of dude bros getting drunk at a bar. You know, we thought we thought you were a real girl, but you're not, and it's your fault that we we hit on you and you didn't want us to and you weren't what we thought you were. And so, I mean, obviously changing that to being a mutant instead, but when the language is there, I I do think he was kind of going for that. I, I don't think he meant it to read so badly. I think he just didn't know. Like, I don't think his intentions were bad. I, I think he could be a little better at taking some criticism and maybe apologizing better. Um, oh, the apology was it wasn't I did this wrong. It was I'm sorry you're offended. Right, which right. Is, and, I hate and, that kind of apology. And here's a hotline for you to call, which which is fine. Um, but you know, the reason I don't think the reason I think it was more bad writing and more kind of trying to write a scene he maybe didn't have a handle on was I kind of think of what I call the the straw dog test. I don't know if you remember, Georgia, but in the 70s, there was a movie, I think it was made by a French director, I could be wrong, I don't remember all the details, but um, it was a movie called Straw Dogs, and it was actually banned initially in the U.S. because there's a, there's a rape scene in the movie. Um, and this rape scene is shot very, it's not super graphic, but it's very voyeuristic for the viewer like and it's, it's also intercut with like wow this is happening she's remembering intimate times with her husband the, the character in this movie so it was a very very problematic scene that's pretty disgusting I don't necessarily recommend that anybody go try to find it unless you just feel like being disturbed um, you know it, it, anytime that a scene like that is titillating I think it's just wrong um, no one should ever be made to feel like that's like an erotic thing or an okay thing that someone's being abused or taken advantage of. But also, 
there's a sense of almost like the scene in the movie I think that was, was so problematic is it didn't really paint the guys out to be bad guys. Um, it just kind of painted the scene of, oh, hey, you know, we're going to rape this girl and blah, blah, blah. And it's almost kind of sexy and we're not that bad of dudes and, you know, whatever. Um, I don't think that happens here. So I think it passes that test for me in that these these guys are definitely made out to be the bad guys. These these frat guys are 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 the villains of of the scene. Um, so I, I think that part's okay. I just think it's it's so clunky and so misses the mark on maybe the symbolism or the analogy it could have carried that it just. Uh, and and why does she have to die? Why can't she just be beat up and in critical condition? I feel like I think I think another big problematic piece for me is that her death was just to propel Wolverine into his violence, and that I just I don't know I just I don't like that kind of storytelling. Um, so I feel like I just talked a lot. So Georgie, well, uh, let me <laughs> let me bow out a second and and see what. What you thought of, of everything? I mean, it, it's a complicated issue, and it's important to let someone who's talking about it just get <laughs> everything out that needs to come out. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you'll end up looking like Rosenberg, you know. So right. I didn't want, right. didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> um, for, for me, there. Are, I mean, the, the language is very obvious that this is supposed to be some sort of trans uh, comparison here, um, and oh, boy, this is complicated. So, jumping to the apology, because we, we talked about it briefly, I don't like when writers mess things up and they go, I'm sorry you were offended, as if what they did wasn't bad, it's it's the reader's fault. Right. Um, so, maybe, he, I wish he would have apologized in a way that was, oh, I'm sorry, you know, this didn't come off the way I wanted it to, I should have done this better, I didn't mean it for it to be that way, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that... I, I fix this in the future, but his was like, hey, sorry, uh, but whatever, which I, I don't appreciate. Um, but in, in terms of what actually happened, I mean, it really does feel very explicitly in the writing that this is a trans comparison. And, you know, may, if you give him the, the, the benefit of the doubt, he's trying to show how awful people can be. But you know, there's, there's too many LGBT stories where they end up being hurt by violence and then yeah. someone dies and we have that story we've had way more than enough of that story to the point where this feels more like voyeuristic violence for the sake of violence rather than a parable on, on how bad these people can be so uh, it would have been better if uh, you could have you could if i'm in the hands of a more capable storyteller you could have her be sort of a not 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 a, a symbol but uh, or, or a metaphor but an analogy for for someone uh, like a, a trans person but written better and in a way that helped her like get past that maybe she had a traumatic experience but she gets past it and she moves on to like be more healthy is a way that, that in, in this day and age this story should have been told but unfortunately. I think he's like, look, this is, this is. We got to show how bad these people are, and this is a grim and a mature book. Uh, <laughs> so we got to have death to make it more of an adult story. So I, I think both of that combined, both of those combined into 
this awfulness. And it, I mean, you know, okay. lo- lo- logically, uh, we can look at it after the fact. I mean, we could bring up like, you know, why didn't she turn into a wolf and run away? But when when someone's in the heat of the moment, right? Like, yeah. they can make bad decisions and she can just like curl up into a ball and hope they leave. But beating someone to death takes a long time. And if if he had gone into how 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 really gruesome this could have been, I would have been more on Wolverine's side in him like going after these people. But it looked like they just like kicked her a few times and then oh she died. <laughs> it was, it's like even pacing wise, it wasn't done very well. Uh, yeah, he, he's not the person to tell this story. No, I don't. I don't think that he is. And I'm not to say I. I think tragic and dramatic turns in comic books are a very important piece. Escapism is also important. And I'm kind of with you, Georgie. I think there's been so many stories, especially recently, it feels like, with with marginalized people being really hurt. I'm kind of ready for, for the story where someone fights back. Um, you know, like one of the things we want, one, one of the things, and there's ever a time like in real life where you like would pull for the Punisher is when he's shooting up like someone who's trafficked like children or something. And you're like, okay, finally someone's stopping that. Right, right. (laughs) So I think if you're going to tell the story, let's maybe tell one that, okay, these guys are terrible. They made a comparison. They made, you know, a violent mistake, so to speak. And Wolf Spain, you know, kind of gives us a catharsis of, this does happen in real life. Like it's not. It's sure. not. It's an unrealistic comparison that people are not fought, beat up, even sometimes, unfortunately, killed in these kind of weird situations. So maybe let's see what we can't get in real life, where someone actually like saves them or stands up, or you know, or or they fight back and win, and we actually get a, a sense of victory out of it. And, and I don't know. I I think. I think that's unfair to a degree because I don't think Rosenberg's going for victory in this book. I just no, that's, no, <laughs> that's not that's not what he's trying to do. So maybe that's just me trying to uh, overlay my preference. Um, but I don't know. I just if we're gonna have these analogies in these stories, let's see some. I guess I'm just ready. I maybe that's why I like read so much X Men Red because there was a sense of like overcoming the analogy yeah. having having a sense of victory having a sense of like actually winning like i look out the window you know Mar- we always talk about marvel you know marvel versus dc stanley always said well marvel is the world outside your window well, i look out saw my window right now and there's a lot of people losing and i would love for maybe some of my my heroes <laughs> to do something you know, heroic <laughs> yeah to, to to give me a sense that maybe this can be better maybe we can maybe this will turn out okay because sometimes some days georgie it doesn't feel like it's going to no nope. you know it'd be nice to have and you know and i guess there's two there's two sides of that coin right there's a sign there's a side of the coin that tells a story that tries to point out how dark the times are um and I'm with that to an extent, but if it's all dark and there's no light at the end of the tunnel, then I personally that's just bleaker than I want to spend my time reading right now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that gets into a whole like 
socio-political everything, and maybe that's a little heavier than we want to try to hit on this podcast, but I, I don't know, it's just... Well, I mean, you, you, that, that brings up a good point. He, This is like a big issue, a big concept, and he gives it like three pages, and that's it. Like, if this <laughs> is the story you want to tell, then you need to give this, like, room. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. There's, there's no, like, real serious thought put into this. It's just, well, here's a... You know, the X-Men sometimes deal with uh, the disadvantaged, and then, okay, so then she's a stand-in, she gets killed, all right, and we move on. No, that's not that's not enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, well. Jeez, uh, we spent a long time on that issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, what do you want to rate? Do you even want to write? Um, I mean, this is so problematic in so many ways. I, 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 I don't want to give a zero uh, because I, I, I mean it's kind of off the scale, just on a principle. What, I almost lowest, the, the I, lowest. I almost don't even want to rate this book. Um, right. if I have, if I have to, I mean, it's a, it's so. I don't it's know. Look, look, I'm cool with abstaining from this one. I think okay. it's so problematic yeah. and so messed yeah. up that we can <laughs> stop with it. Alright, so, uh, so 18 is a lighter fare to some degree. Um, basically what happens in the beginning is the editor said, hey, we know you were going to write a book about Wolverine and Cyclops, but we need to take Wolverine off the table, so write him out. And he does. Uh, Wolverine leaves and tells Magic she should leave too. And then he's gone. Um, and then our X-Men find the Marauders. Is that evil? Is Polaris evil again? Or is that the ultimate Polaris? I don't remember. Anyway, um, there's some Marauders in the subway. The X-Men fight them. Um, and, and what I need a series of means of, there's a, there's a scene where Juggernaut is gonna, he throws the bad guy into the train and uh, Karma's like, well, Juggernaut, there are people on that train. And Juggernaut says, sorry, Karma, I forgot I was a good guy again. And I want a whole series of X books where they forgot. You know, I think uh, uh, Dan said, you know, there's a, there's a scene where, where Iceman hits on a guy or hits on a girl and says, oh, sorry, I forgot I was gay. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. or I want Cyclops to like blow everybody's head off and go, oh, sorry, I forgot about my Ruby Quartz glasses. Um, <laughs> this, I want I want a dialogue as reminder. I want a whole like series of that. So if anybody wants to do that, that would be great. Um <laughs> <laughs> so then they, they fight some more um, Chamber gets really mad So this is my chance to avenge You guys killing The Morlocks The the Marauders actually surrender Say that wasn't us Let's talk about this But Chamber burns everybody alive And then he gets stabbed with A harpoon and dies um, because, So just more X-Men yeah. Dying from magical harpoons. <laughs> it's a theme. Right, it's a theme. Um, magic teleports them home, but Harry's hideaway is on fire, and they're like, oh, why did you take us to Limbo? And she's like, I did it. And then um, Juggernaut goes in and saves the prisoners from the burning building. Mr. Sinister shows up, and what is actually maybe the best written character of this series so far. I thought so. 
where Sinister just being snappy and snazzy and he has, you know, the clones of himself and they, they form into a, a giant Sinister and he's just really... This is where Rosenberg's snark actually really works. Um, and so since we've done our fair share of bashing him, I want to give credit where credit's due. His Sinister is pretty great. Um... Then Havoc goes off the scales of his power, and he's actually makes Sinister run away with his many pronged cape between his legs. But but that makes Havoc like start to discorporalize. And then Karma says, "Oh, I got my money straightened out. I bought this really cool place for us to all live now." Um, and then Cyclops and Havoc talk about. The elephant in the room, which is the name Emma Frost, and then Emma and Mystique have a meeting, where then the X-Men call Mystique. Excuse me, and that's the end. Yeah, it's uh, it's just another another. You know, he keeps Rosenberg. Oh, Rosenberg keeps getting characters and like, uh, yeah, I wanted to write this guy, but I'm not really sure what to do with him, so I'm just gonna like kill him off. <laughs> and they're all like kind of meaningless and and like abrupt. And people, even the characters in the book, don't even care. They just move on. So right. it's it's really disappointing to see Chamber brought in, hardly used, and then just just you know, Metal Spirit just kills him. It's ridiculous. Um, Sinister has obviously got some sort of plan. He wants to be captured so he can do something. And uh, the Alex uses his power so much he like back to the futures himself is weird. <laughs> well, it's just weird that his energy idea like this yeah. is like the Kitty Pride problem. It's it's odd. It is. Um, I, I kind of hope that maybe Chamber isn't dead because Karma says, you know, my, my people are taking care of him. So maybe maybe the people who are leaving the X-Men are like secret, secretly starting their own X-Men because <laughs> they don't like how things are going. I don't know. Right. It's my only hope. Everybody's pretending to die just to get away from Cyclops? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. And then at the end, it's, it's worth pointing out that they Scott says he's going to call Captain America, but when they call Captain America... It's Mystique's phone that rings. So the Captain America we've been seeing before has not been Captain America. It's been Mystique. Oh, I did not even catch that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that at least makes sense of why he's been acting like such a douche. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. But this is this is like bad storytelling at its worst. This is <laughs> like then the five year old boy says, "But really, he was just an alien the whole time." And you're like, "Oh <laughs> yes, wonderful." I had no uh, idea. Yeah. This is. I mean, it's not offensive in any way, but this is just. I agree with you. Sinister was great, uh, but everything else was kind of like meh. So meh is better than oh my god, I can't believe you wrote that. So right. <laughs> it's at least. Yeah. Rateable? Yeah, yeah. I, I can give this a solid two out of six claws. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing we didn't talk about at all, that because neither of these guys should necessarily be at fault. I thought the art was decent on both issues. Not really stand out in any way, but nothing bad. I, I didn't like the art in 17 very much. Um, okay. 18 was better, but it felt pretty, like average to bland yeah yeah 
I mean, honestly, the story elements just overshadow any anything happening in the art so much that I, I just I don't even want to like pay attention to the artwork. I just want to like flip right. through, be done with it. Yeah, I'm with you. Oh, I, I forgot that Hope shot somebody in the head. So oh. that, that, that too. Sir? Man, this book is so... Adult? Mature? <laughs> oh, and, and quotation marks, sure. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Finger quote, mature. Um, whew, ready for this to be done. Mm. Yeah, I will say, so... And... and not blaming either of you guys because everyone led me down this road. From everything that, that I thought, I thought that Emma, that only Cyclops forgot about Emma. So I was kind of mad about that. Um, because I like Cyclops and Emma together. Their relationship, while I didn't necessarily want it to last forever, I really enjoyed it. Um, and so undoing that felt weird. But her making everybody forget actually seems pretty Emma. Especially like trying to reestablish herself as the Black King and the new Hellfire Club. It would kind of make sense that she would want people to not remember and complicate confrontations with their past. Um, but on the other hand, though, I could see her using that to her advantage with like, oh, you want to trust me, don't you? Because, you know, we were together for so long and now you can't really hurt me like you want to. Because now. I think I think the the backfiring of Emma making everybody forget is they have no qualms about finding her. So I don't know. I guess I can see it both ways. But anyway, um, what do you what do you think about the whole Emma thing? Well, if, if she's like done with Cyclops, then I can totally see her using her powers to mind white people to accomplish her goals. Um, obviously, she's trying to. I don't know, create some sort of group of evil people. It, the thing is, she, even in her black issue, she wasn't necessarily evil. She was just, had her own agenda. And right. this, this, and Mystique as well, who, who tends to, I guess, skew towards the bad side, usually has her own, her own plans, right? So them together, like working on something, I, I get that, but they're just like collecting bad guys to use for some reason. And that right. seems more like, like something Apocalypse would do rather than what Emma would be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, go ahead. No, I, I honestly hope that this doesn't get resolved because I can see Hickman doing something really cool with Emma and Mystique. Oh, together. sure, sure. Like, like a better writer can make a really, really great story out of that. Um, <laughs> so I kind of hope it doesn't really go anywhere or that it is left open-ended when it's done yeah. um, so that someone else can pick it up. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. All right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's uncanny. That's lame duck uncanny for you. Um, I'd also give it a two, I think. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm sorry. No worries. We forgot to ask you. I'm good with moving on. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's do a little bit of catch up for Age of X Men. But before, Georgie, you get into the books, I want to read something from um, Uh-oh. from Patrick Paradis. On, I think I'm saying that right, or Paradis, maybe, on Facebook. Um, he wrote the best synopsis of Age of X-Men I've ever heard. Oh. So I'm just, so just going to quote this. And Patrick, I'm sorry if I messed up your last name, man, if you're even listening. But um, 
But this is such a fun, fun clip. So, so bear with me, guys. Um, so here's what he has to say about Age of X-Men. <clears throat> Age of X-Men is a pseudo-world that Nate Gray created and pulled all the mutants into, except for, like, everyone appearing in Uncanny X-Men and X-Force. <laughs> this world is a conflict-free utopia where mutants no longer worry about persecution and stuff. They learn to use their powers at the Academy, and they live fruitful, happy lives, but touching each other is frowned upon, and kissing or loving each other is a punishable offense. The X-Men exist to calm conflicts, but they are mostly just good PR people. If you catch someone doing kissing things, or need to report it to Department X or whatever, and they send a hit squad after you to capture you and send you to jail. Apocalypse is a free love movement leader who's like, Come on, y'all know Smooch is great and a lot of fun. And a lot of demonstrators show up to his rallies and be like, Yeah, we should be allowed to smooch and do kissing stuff. Nothing I ever have. <laughs> so every book in Age of X-Men follows the story of someone caught up in smooching someone else and hoping nobody finds out. But slowly... People are starting to catch on that maybe smooching's not so bad. And maybe this world <laughs> and maybe this world just isn't even real after all. Maybe they're just treading water until the genius returns the marvel to cancel everything. <laughs> anyway, I, I really liked that it was all about smooching. And I, stuff, yeah. I, yeah. I thought that was great. So so Patrick, I love your thoughts. And uh, thank you for giving me permission to share those. I appreciate it. Um, that's really good. Yeah, that's that's pretty apt. It's, yeah. I feel like I don't even have to re- review these books anymore. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So uh, what did come out? Uh, what do we have? We had um, Extracts. Mm-hmm. We have Next Gen. We have uh, Prisoner X. And we have The Marvelous. Mrs. X Men, Men, Mabel. <laughs> yeah, have you ever have you watched uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? That's a good show. I, I have not yet. I want to. It's, it's, yeah, it's... I'd much rather be watching that than reading these books. <laughs> All right. So what's the skinny? All right. So we'll cover this. Who, hopefully, who smooches who? Oh boy. <laughs> oh, you know who? Like Colossus aggressively smooches Kitty in, in yeah, one of the issues, and oh, like boy. uh. Wait, hold on. I don't know if she's ready for that. You can't just like grab a woman and like bend her over and plant a kiss on her, even in normal, <laughs> you know. But um, all right, I'll hopefully go over this really quickly. Um, <laughs> Apocalypse and the Extra X writer Tim Seeley, artist Selva Espin, color artist Israel Silva, letterer VCs Travis Lanham. Um, so basically. Uh, end of last issue, Omega Red showed up and like uh, our. Our, our team is kind of escaped. Um, iBoy, his hands got turned into stone, and Kid Apocalypse tries to heal his hands, but I guess that just ends up killing him suddenly. Oh. It's it's really weird. Um, Omega Red is, is fighting Unveil and Dazzler, and Dazzler's kind of like the worst thing ever. Uh, he ends up trapping them. Colossus tries to meet Kitty, and uh, Apocalypse like beats him the hell up and takes Kitty away and at the end of the issue um, Omega Red is like sucking Unveil and Dazzler dry and Kid Apocalypse shows up dressed as Captain America slash Captain Apocalypse 
Um, the end, the artwork is awful. The story doesn't really make any sense. I, I used to think Tim Seeley was a good writer, but after uh, this and uh, his uh, Shatterstar issues, I'm, I'm, not, I'm kind of done with this dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mrs. G.I. Joe stuff, but that's about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not like it's it's just like cartoony is bad. Like it, it can be stylized, but you'll see like eyes aren't aligned properly, like on the same line. Like one eye will be down further than the other eye, or you know everything's sort of like mismatched, and it's it looks it looks just kind of a little too amateur, a little too sloppy. It's 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 not the colors are bright and fun, but other than that, I've got yeah. I've got no love for this. Yeah, Israel Silva is the only saving grace to that book, in my opinion. Yeah. I would not read this book ever. Uh, <laughs> if Jason didn't make me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure, Captain Apocalypse. I don't know. That's a thing. Um, at least the A's. I mean, America Apocalypse, it, it matches up. Sure, it it no. didn't make any sense. Like, iBoy just, like, dies suddenly. It's weird. None of, none of it matters. Like, this is right. all ending anyway. And it's not really telling any real story because none of the characters in uh, the extracts really have any point to them. They're just sort of, like, following Apocalypse, who is, is in his book, isn't even really, like, spreading his message. He's, he's more effective in other people's books than his own book, so. Right. You know, screw this. Uh, moving yeah. on to Next Gen. Um, writer Ed Brisson, artist uh, Marcus Taub, color artist Jason Keith, letters VCs Clayton Cowles. Um, this issue felt like a step down from the last issue for me uh, overall. Uh, basically, uh, last time Pixie found out that Armor and other people were trying to find Apocalypse, so then she goes to tell the headmaster of the school, um, who calls in the extremists. Uh, A.K.A. Uh, Blob and Psylocke, who act very different than how they act in their own book, because <laughs> they always do. Um, Anol heads out to his group of of people who are trying to find Apocalypse. And I have a question for you because Noel enters the house and he's he's greeted by um, what's the guy with the got like the metal slugs on him? Maggot. Yes, Maggot. He's drawn like regular skin toned, and then suddenly his skin turns blue. Is that how his powers work? I don't think so. So it was just a coloring issue. Yeah, uh, yeah. Unless he has some some kind of like disguise power in this world. He he's he's totally drawn as like a darker skinned, but human looking skin person. And then as he's throwing a punch, his body starts to turn blue, and then like in other panels, it's fully blue. So I was I was just really confused by that, uh, which is really a, a, a minor point to all this. But um, Anol goes to these people, and then um, Armor and Rockslide and Glob show up, and they're like, "Hey, we're here to to like tell you what's really happening." And then there's an arbitrary fight for no reason, and uh, <laughs> because it has to be. And then Anol takes a bomb and goes to the Hope Library and blows it up, and end of the issue. Yeah, um, you know, if the colors are what saves extracts, um, I hope that whatever comes next, the the toe gets some good work. Yes, his, his art's pretty fantastic, and the only thing that 
just keeping that book kind of going for me. Agreed. Uh, yep. I would otherwise, if it wasn't for the toe artwork, I would not be reading this one either. Doesn't make any sense. There's no point. <laughs> uh, the kids are all right. Sure, they are. They're about yeah. to get killed. Uh, <laughs> so I get. So if, if you die in Age of X Men, do you die in real life? I don't know. Okay. I guess it doesn't we'll matter. Hickman's oh. gonna have his own his own stuff going on. Right. Right. All right, uh, Prisoner X. Oh, oh, go ahead. Think, you think in issue one of House of X, Wolfbane shows up and gives the middle finger? I hope. <laughs> I hope the cover, like one of the alternate covers, is like some of the awful writers we've had on. In, <laughs> but it's it's in the um, Days of Future Past like poster with like the X. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yes. That's well, uh, moving on to Prisoner X, we've got writer Vida Ayala, artist German, no, Germain, German, uh, Peralta, color artist Mike Spicer, letterer Vices Joe Sabino, um, and in this, there's like just a bunch of a bunch of hallucinations. People remember things that did and didn't happen. Uh, Beast, who in the first issue was like the the baddest ass person ever, is now like Mister Helpful, and uh, at the end. Um, Bishop realizes that Legion is locked in there with him and that maybe he's the key to all of this. The end. Uh, sure. That <laughs> happened. No, honestly. <laughs> like, Polaris escapes and, like, the dumbest escape ever and she's, like, defeating everyone and suddenly X-Men blinks and uh, it never happened. Yes. I'm so tired of X-Men. Which makes this whole universe a little hard to read. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's weird because he's omnipotent in this book, but in his book, he's like dying and losing his powers, and it's not really explained. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, did you read this one, Jason? Uh, yeah, I read most of it. <laughs> I, I, I really did. I, I tried this week. No, it's this. the most of it is the good part. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say I read every word, but I, I read most of the words in most of these books. Did you have anything to add to this book? No, it's just kind of there. And I can't really tell what what point it's serving at this. Other than, I'm sure Legion will be some kind of new sex machina, but I don't, I don't know how exactly. Yeah, I think it's just... I mean, it almost has to be, right? Because he was the main guy trying to fight Nate in, in that whole disassembled part. Yeah, so, I mean, it's got to come back to those two at the end, right? They needed some place to store him until he could come back at the end of the story, and that's where they right. put him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the last book, which is Marvelous X Men uh, number four. Writer Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler. Artist Marco Fila Faya. Uh, color artist is Matt Miller. Letterer is VCs Joe Caramagna. And the artwork in this book took a hit. Um. It got real sloppy, and it got real simple and real boring. Um, real uh, compared to the last issue, I don't know what happened. If they didn't have enough time or what, but this was rough looking, uh, pencil wise. Like there's just no detail to anything. Um, so that was really, really not like uh, the previous marvelous books were like the gorgeous, the most gorgeous things you've ever seen. Right. But, uh, this 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 was not nice to look at. Uh, basically, they're celebrating Xavier Day in London. There's a bunch of mutants there for reasons. 
they do stuff just because uh, Apocalypse shows up and then the X-Men show up and they're like, hey, we're going to fight now. Uh, Colossus grabs Kitty and like forces her into like a really aggressive kiss. Um, Apocalypse then takes Kitty away and Jean just like makes everyone forget this even happened and they go back to like the X headquarters. So good job. Um, then X Men takes Jean out flying like like Peter Pan or like <laughs> Superman, and he's like, "I got a secret to show you." And they see all these pockets of like the. Or, the regular universe trying to to come in and he's sealing these these like holes and he's like look i ain't feeling so well so i'm going to need you to take over okay um and then the other x-men sort of realize that stuff's going on colossus strips naked uh trashes his room <laughs> and then decides he's just gonna like go join someone else uh he goes to fight oh the extremists i thought he was gonna join them Maybe, but he's now he's fighting them. Um, uh, our our uh, X-23 realizes that someone else used to live in a room. She can smell things that she couldn't smell before. Yeah. Issue, issue four out of five is a weird place to introduce that mystery. Yeah. And it's, I'm not, they're not really clear that, that X-Men was like keeping that scent at bay or what was going on, but suddenly she can smell it. Right. And at the end, Nature Girl says, hey, there's been a murder. we got to investigate. And whatevs. I, I mean, this just feels like, hey, we've been sort of treading water, not really exploring any of the concepts up until now, but just sort of like doing stuff with these characters. And I guess we have to tie things up now. So we've got to start to show that X-Men isn't able to keep things going. And maybe things aren't what they seem. The book. It was the artwork, like, not only is the story just really, like, speeding towards the finish line just because the artwork here takes a hit, and I I did not enjoy any of this. Uh, I uh, This is the book I most checked out on. <laughs> if, if, if this could be any more boring, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know if it could be. It's like volume for your mind. <laughs> I think it's only worth 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 noting that uh, we shared Dan's comments uh, about all this. Uh, yeah, I think he's... yeah, about both books. He had like about a sentence each. So go ahead. Yes. <laughs> uh, he said, "My only comments on the books are: Age of X Men is bland, and Uncanny is atrocious." So, <laughs> and he's right. Like all these books are really bland. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, Dan, though, we got, I mean, we're anxious to get you back because I'd love to hear the 20 minute version of those statements. But, um, but yeah, and that sounds, that pretty much sums it up pretty good. I, you know, the book I, I dislike the most is The Extremist, and we didn't have that this time. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't have Nightcrawler, which I've been enjoying more than any, just because it actually feels like, and I keep saying this, it's actually exploring the concept of what this all means. Right. On a person, like on a personal level, and uh, Nightcrawler's not written so terribly in that. So I'm kind of looking forward to that book, but who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, Georgie. Well, thank you for taking one for the team. I appreciate it. Hey, man. I guess we got one more round of these. Two more. Yeah. Rounds. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, I guess it depends on how we break it up. Um. Because the next time we record, 
if everything goes right, we'll be doing the flashback episode. So we may may have to put some of these books off for a little bit. Okay. Um, and that's okay with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can have a big a big uh, funeral party when it's all said and done. So funeral party, yeah. we can all dress like uh, inappropriate uh, Western madams. There you go. There you go. I get the garter. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, so uh, speaking of which, um, assuming we can get everything to work out timing-wise, uh, the Scalabros will be joining me soon-ish to talk about Extinction Agenda. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so, Georgie, where, where can people find you guys in the meantime and get some Excalibro love on? Uh, you can find us um, at Excalibros one on Twitter and Podbean dot slash com Excal- I don't remember our, our website address, <laughs> but we're on like all the podcatchers. So just search for right. Excalibros and we're there. We we put out an episode, I guess, a week and a half ago, and we'll probably get another one out uh, around the time that we. I guess we haven't scheduled our 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 next episode with you, have we? Have no, we? not yet. Not yet. No, I, 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 you should have some proposed dates in the next couple of days. Okay, <laughs> I assume <laughs> I assume our next proper Excalibur's episode will probably be out early next month ish. So look for that. We're we uh, you know, it's it's kind of apropos. We're doing Age of X Men, and we're about to jump into the Age of Apocalypse. Oh yeah, for, wow. For Gen X, so that'll be interesting to sort of compare. Good timing, yeah. But uh, yeah, we're having fun. Uh, you know, feel free to uh, to like us, to subscribe, to hit, smash that like button, as they as they say, um, and and just comment, uh, talk, chat, chat us up on Twitter. Let us know if you're enjoying the books and what else you'd like to to hear about. But uh, yeah. we're just sort of off in our own corner of the X universe, reading our books and, and... <laughs> making a great podcast about it. So that's all that matters. And. Well, yeah, we always appreciate coming on and doing this this episode, uh, your, your show, uh, even if as the issues haven't been the greatest recently. Uh, we just love chatting with you, and yeah, ex- extermination agenda will be a lot more fun to chat about. Yes, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. It's nineties to the max, so it should be good. <laughs> no, you can never have enough strife. That's right. <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, for the podcast that goes snicked, of course, you can uh, like the Facebook page. Twitter is at snickcast, and we're also on Podbean, so snickcast.podbean.com. And uh, Georgie, any closing comments? I uh, can't wait for Age of X-Men to be over, and uh, talk to you soon, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Until next time, everybody, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And snacked. <laughs>